You're listening to the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast. Whether this is your first time joining me or your hundredth, thank you for being here and being a part of this important conversation. In June 2018, I was tired of being asked by the intuitive eating groups to take my conversations about intermittent fasting elsewhere. At the same time, the conversation in the intermittent fasting community wasn't addressing the emotional and spiritual needs of my IF lifestyle. Before I knew it, the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group was up and running, and I started this podcast. I am super excited to bring you the personal stories of folks who are combining intuitive eating and intermittent fasting successfully, and really creating lives that bring them joy and meaning. Hi guys, Andrea here, and I am going to talk with you today about my efforts to maintain my kiddos' intuitive eating skills. I, When I started my intuitive eating journey in March of 2018, I found myself hyper-aware of my language and my behaviors around my five-year-old son, uh, and it led me to make some changes, and I thought it was worthwhile to um, share those and then also just to ask, you know, what other folks are trying and, and further my toolbox of options. So just in terms of the the culture that I had in my home before some of these shifts, I definitely was in sort of diet mentality thinking where foods were getting identified as good or bad um, or healthy versus unhealthy. You know, things like sugar was definitely... Um, if not overtly talked about as bad, there was, you know, a sense that it wasn't good for you. Um, and I feel like that's that particular idea is around a lot of places in our culture. Um, and then other food-related messages that I was aware of is this notion of, you know, like the clean your plate club. Um, you know, we put food on your plate and we expect you to eat it. And um, I, I understand that. And at the same time, I feel like that can contribute to our kids' inability to stop when they're full. If they're truly, um, you know, if they're truly full and there's still food on their plate, well, then that's okay. And then the flip side of that, too, is if they stop before they are actually full, um, you know, presumably they will get hungrier before the next meal. And so I feel like there's a lesson to learn that we don't necessarily give them the opportunity to learn that if we're constantly insisting that they clean their plate. And then the other thing that um, I was aware of is my tendency and our tendency as a society to use food as a reward or some sort of an incentive. Um, you know, I think it's one thing to use food um, as part of a celebration, like a birthday and whatnot, but I feel like it's it's really easy to, oh, you had a great day at school, let's go out for a treat, or oh, you had a really cruddy day at school, um, let's, you know, let's go have some ice cream and help it feel better. And I, I think that, you know, there's room for those things in moderation, but I just want to be more aware of when and how I'm using those specific messages. So my goal in evaluating these things is really to raise him in such a way that he hopefully doesn't lose complete touch with the innate intuitive eating abilities that he was born with. 
you know, you think back to when a child is born and they, they know when they're hungry, they cry and they eat and then they push away or stop when they're full. And then, you know, you certainly can't get a kid to eat something that they don't like. Um, and so I feel like our kids have these intuitive eating skills and we start from um, them being very young, sort of untraining them in that realm. So there have been two major shifts that I've made um, since the middle of March that I wanted to share. One of them uh, is with regards to donuts. So donut holes specifically at my church, we always have donut holes available after the church service for coffee hour. And before the the behavior was that kiddo would come to me and ask how many he could have. And I felt like two was a reasonable number. And so I would, you know, tell him he could have two and he would go get two. And that was the end of it. So that doesn't, however, let him learn what is too much. And so I wanted to switch up my messaging a little bit and really give him the opportunity to discern for himself what is too much for him. So now when he comes to me, he'll, you know, he'll say, how many can I have? And I'll say something along the lines of as many as you want and think about how you might feel if you have too many. And and I realize that too many is still sort of a uh, a loaded phrase or a you know judgmental phrase and and you know I don't I don't know exactly what words I've chosen in the moment but the idea really is you know if if a person any person eats too much sugar um they're probably not going to feel feel well case in point there was a a party we went to or a gathering with some friends from church and he had lunch and he had a bunch of animal crackers which animal crackers are not a regular part of our pantry at home and later in the day he was commenting that he felt like he had eaten too many animal crackers and it wasn't that he had eaten too many of anything else like he he had an innate sense that it was the animal crackers that had sort of pushed him over the edge and I feel like there's opportunities for that that are more every day than the animal cracker situation you know that the church mini uh, donut hole example Um, And so what I'm finding is, you know, the answer is you can have as many as you want. And some days I feel like he comes back with one. Some days he comes back with two. I don't know if he's come back with more than two. Um, If he did, I think it would be hard, but I would try to just run with it. And then if I would monitor his, you know, his behavior and his interactions with us later in the day, and if I felt like his behavior was a bit challenged, it would be an opportunity for me to talk to him about, you know, hey, you seem like you're a little hyper. Maybe it's because you had too many donuts. And how how are you feeling right now? Oh, you feel a little jittery or I, I don't know. You know, he's he's not even six. So it's hard to say exactly how that conversation would unfold. But I feel like there would be a conversation in there that could be a learning opportunity rather than just insisting that he only has, um, you know, some arbitrary number to begin with. The other, The other example that I wanted to talk about today revolves around candy. So, you know, there's a lot of holidays in our society that um, don't necessarily revolve around candy, but candy and sweets and treats are are a pretty significant part of it. Halloween being one, 
um, birthday parties, like, you know, the goodie bags and the, the takeaway gifts, Christmas and um, Easter are holidays that in our family, there's usually candy of some sort involved. And so um, in in our house, when candy is received, it goes into some sort of a bucket that lives in the pantry. And before this change in mid-March, the the normal behavior was, you know, after breakfast, most often, he would ask if he could have a piece of candy before school. And I, it was happening often enough that it was frustrating and concerning because I, I, I didn't like, you know, the thought that I was giving him something sugary right before school and then he was going to school and potentially going to be hyper and all that sort of stuff. And so there were some days where I was like, yes, you can have one piece. And then there was other days where I'm like, no, you can't have a piece of candy. Like you just had breakfast. And then, then the candy ran out and I was conflicted because I, I'm a believer that we need to normalize some of these foods that we have been conditioned to view as bad. And it's not going to be normalized if it's never in the house. And so I suggested to my wife that we go out and purchase a large bag of Hershey's Kisses. And the idea behind that was it's you know, there's a very clear portion, right? It's, you can have a single Hershey kiss or even a couple, um, and it's a, a finite amount. Second of all, Hershey's is not my favorite chocolate. So even though I'm giving myself permission to eat whatever I would like, um, I know that it will be easier for me to not be called to the Hershey's kisses as often as I would be if it were something else. Um, And so the idea was now that we're going to have these Hershey Kisses in the bucket and that on any given morning, he can choose what he wants to have with his breakfast. And his choices on any given day are he can have one Hershey Kiss or he can have honey on his toast or he can have peanut butter on his toast. And it was a little bit scary to open up that option for him. And honestly, I think there was a part of us that in the beginning anticipated that he was going to want candy every day. Um, and if I look back on, you know, the the couple months that we've been doing this, I I don't think he's gone and asked for the Hershey Kiss for more than two or three times in a row. Now, interestingly enough, he has not picked the peanut butter, but he definitely will go to the honey and some days he'll do honey for a couple days in a row and some days he'll do Hershey Kisses for a couple days in a row. But I haven't had to manage it. I haven't tried to sway him in any direction. When he chooses one option, I execute on that option and go about my day. And I feel like that is normalizing the presence of candy in our household so that it it's not as big of a deal it doesn't have to be that like forbidden thing that, Ooh, there's candy in the house now. Uh, and I, I feel like it's made a difference. So, um, I'm interested to hear what kinds of strategies you're using in your house or what other kind of strategies you've heard of people using, you know, how do we raise kids who still have their intuitive sense with regards to food and their bodies Um, And, you know, definitely um, if you want to engage in these conversations, uh, you can, there's a few ways you can engage. You can either send me an email at podcast at thiswellseasonedlife.com 
www.thepeacefulmovement.com. Or you can also head on over to Facebook and join the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group. And we can, I would love to have a conversation in there about how we raise intuitive eaters, um, or rather how we don't unraise the intuitive eaters because that's how they are born. So um, yeah, I would love to have a conversation with folks about this and you know, together hopefully we can come up with a list of tools and tricks and help the next generation be slightly less disordered in their eating than than my generation um, and maybe yours too. So thanks for listening today and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Intuitively Intermittent Podcast. If you would like to join in a community of like-minded fasters, uh, come on over to the Intuitively Intermittent Facebook group and join the conversation there. I look forward to seeing you. Just answer a few questions and I'll let you in the group and you can be a part of the amazing community that I'm building. Uh, And I look forward to seeing you soon.